the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He, he could have just let the whole human race go to hell and get what it deserved and not saved anyone. But in his wondrous mercy and grace and kindness, he displayed such love by sending Jesus into the world to die for us. Over the last couple of days, we have focused our attention on Psalm 9. It's a very timely study in Psalm 9, in light of all that swirls around us and the chaos that seems to rule the day. We invite you to join us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It's our final look at Psalm 9 before we turn our attention to the book of Revelation the rest of this week and the rest of this month. Please join us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Verse 4, For you have maintained my just cause. Why was his cause just? Because he was standing for God. And with God. He was seeking to apply the law of God and maintain God's covenant and defend God's holy nation. For you have maintained my just cause. God sits on the throne judging righteously. And sitting on a throne is a metaphor for sovereignty. And twice in the psalm, God's sovereignty is brought up. My enemies are scattered. They perish before you. You maintain my cause because you are the sovereign God of the universe. You have everything under control. And when you judge men, you judge them according to your holy character. You discriminate between these evil enemies and your faithful people. And you destroy the enemy for the salvation of your people. And in the meanwhile, your name is vindicated. Verse 5, you have rebuked the nations. Now you're going to see a lot of past tense verbs here. The Old Testament prophets would prophesy the future with past tense verbs. So you are really supposed to translate them as if they are future tense. But the reason they do it in past tense is to let you know Since this is what God has planned, it is as certain that these things will take place as if they had already taken place. So I will make uh, the verbs um, future tense. Verse 5. You will rebuke the nations. You will destroy the wicked. You will block out their name forever and ever. The enemy will come to an end in perpetual ruins. And you will uproot the cities. And the very memory of them will perish. That is how total 
God's destruction of the enemies of His churches throughout history. It is total. They declare total warfare on the church, and God declares total warfare on them. Who do you think is going to win? And He's going to blot out His enemies to the point that they will be in perpetual ruins, and their memory will even perish from the history books. Do you know how many enemies of God's people for the past 4,000 years that no one knows about anymore? God's people have had enemies since they came into existence. And most of those enemies, no one remembers. And these people who think they are so important today, Newsom and Pelosi and Schumer and Feinstein, do you really think much of anyone will remember them in two to three hundred years? Do you think anyone's going to remember Joe Biden? Unless they study American politics, and then it will probably only warrant a very short paragraph. So, same for Donald Trump, really. Unless he submits completely to the supremacy of God. Because God blocks, blots out the memory of his enemies who dare to attack his church or fail to submit and implement his holy word totally. Then in the third stanza, we see that God's righteousness is the guarantee of the church's security. We can conclude that because God's justice and his righteousness are the guarantee of the destruction of our enemies. And that our salvation is sure. Verse 7. But the Lord, it says in, in, it, but the Lord, it says in Hebrew, sits as king. Remember, that is what it says in verse 4 also. Here David is finding solace and comfort and encouragement, knowing that God is sitting on his throne as sovereign king over all things. He has established his throne, his sovereignty, for judgment. And he will judge the world in righteousness. Here is this sovereign God who foreordains everything that comes to pass, has everything under his control, and holds the reins of the universe. So how in the world can his judgment and his righteousness fail? When God goes to judge his enemies for the sake of the church, do you think he will fail? Do you think anyone is going to get away with anything? He's the sovereign God. And since this God of judgment and righteousness is sovereign, we are never to question his, his actions. You never complain. You should never criticize. You don't say to him, Lord, these tragedies that are happening in my life, I deserve better than this. No, no, you don't say that to God. You don't say, God, how can you be just in the way you treat me and let what's going on in the world today continue? Shall not the judge of all the world do right? In Romans 9, Paul was preaching on predestination. And he anticipated the people's questions. 
And when he said God loved Jacob and hated Esau, he anticipated the question, well, is God unjust then? Paul answers with two Greek words, mega noito, absolutely not. Well, if God is sovereign like you say, Paul, how can we expect justice from him? And Paul says, shall not the God of all the world do right? Why are you, oh, who are you, oh man, that you would answer back to God? Does not the potter do with the clay whatever he will? Discussion closed. You never questioned the justice, righteousness, or the judgment of a sovereign God. Verse 8. He will judge the world. No one in all human history, in all of the world, is going to get away with deviant rebellion against God. Unless, of course, they repent. He will execute judgment for the peoples with equity. The Lord will also be a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. There is where we find shelter. There is where we find protection and encouragement in a sovereign God who is righteous and who judges according to his righteousness. Verse 10. And those who know your name, those who know God personally, and to whom God has revealed himself, they will put their trust in, in God. Even in times like this. Impeachment, COVID-19, riots, collapsing businesses, mass destruction of private property. But we know your name. And we put our trust in you. And we know in the midst of this, oh God, you will not forsake those who seek you. Fourth stanza. God's righteousness is to be the subject of the church's praise. Verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. That is, in the church. Zion is another word for the church. Declare among the peoples his deeds. Don't just declare God's wonders to the people in the church by singing hymns, but declare the truth about God who dwells in the church to the world's peoples. We are talking about evangelism here. David is saying, tell the Canaanites and the Philistines and all the rest that the God of creation dwells in Zion. The rest of verse 11. Declare among the peoples his deeds, for he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Wow, what a phrase. God is going to remember his people that are being mocked and ridiculed and marginalized, being killed by the enemies of God, like today in Nigeria, in the Sudan, in Pakistan. God will hear their cries in the midst of all their afflictions. And he will answer them. Why? Because he who requires blood remembers them. The only God there is requires the blood of his persistent enemies. And his enemies will perish. He will destroy them. He will shed their blood because he requires blood, destruction, and the death of those who oppose him, his moral order, his social order, his church, his day, his covenant bond. 
And if you have sinned, has anyone in here ever sinned? If you have sinned, God requires your blood or the blood of a substitute. God would take your blood and send you to hell with all of his enemies if there had not been a substitute provided by God himself to shed his blood in our place and take the punishment our sins deserve. So without the shedding of the blood of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. And do you notice in the discussion going on here, there is no forgiveness? No one is willing to forgive anyone because there's no forgiveness of sin outside of Christ, right? You can shut your eyes and act like things didn't exist. You can hope things didn't exist, but there is no forgiveness of sin and cleansing of sin outside of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you sin, God requires your blood or the blood of a substitute. So, let me encourage you at this point to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation. Verse 13. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Be gracious. How did we get to gracious? I thought we were talking about justice and judgment and righteousness. And now all of a sudden he's saying God is a God of grace. Isn't that contradicting himself? I mean, how in the world can a God of justice and judgment who discriminates against evil, vindicates his name and destroys his enemies, get from there to grace and God's mercy and God's unmerited favor? Here's how. The cross. The cross of Jesus is a display of God's righteousness, God's judgment, and God's grace. It has been said that on the cross, mercy and justice kiss each other. How is that? Well, God is merciful in providing us with a substitute because he didn't have to. He, he could have just let the whole human race go to hell and get what it deserved and not saved anyone. But in his wondrous mercy and grace and kindness, he displayed such love by sending Jesus into the world to die for us. Even though God did not have to have mercy on us at all. Having decided to be merciful to us, the only way left open to him to show that mercy was in the death of his son. And in his son's death, God's justice was satisfied. God's justice had claims on you and I because we were sinners and we deserved to die. But Jesus silenced those claims by taking the very judgment that you and I deserve. That, beloved, is how we get to grace. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Protect me and bless me. I know I don't deserve it, but I, I thank you for the display of your grace and your mercy and sovereignly send in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to satisfy the claims of your law. 
and the claims of your justice against me. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Behold my afflictions from those who hate. Look, Lord, at what they're doing to me. You who lifts up from the gates, you who lifts me up from the gates of death, save me from my enemies and lift me up that I may tell of all your praises. God, deliver me from my enemies, not so I may be comfortable, not so I will be happier, but so I can say to the world what a great God of righteousness and grace you are. That in the gates of the daughters of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they have made. In the net which they hid, their own foot was caught, has been caught. You know, I thought of this verse when I was watching a video of two men throwing bricks at a store window. Some of you probably have seen this as well. And how God causes them to shoot their own arrows into their breast and fall into the pit they've made. These two men were standing in front of a store and each one was holding a brick. One of them hurled a brick at the window, which just bounced off the window. The second young man then aimed his brick at the window. But he just, as he launched it, his accomplice took a step into the path of that brick bouncing off the window and was instantly knocked out. So you see, God causes them to fall into their own pit. And there are so many familiar incidents like this out in the streets these days. That is why you don't have to worry, beloved. The nations have sunk down into the pit which they have made. In the net which they hid, their foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment in the work of his own hands. And the wicked is snared. God revealed himself. How great he is in discriminating between his enemies and his faithful friends. In vindicating his name on behalf of his friends. In destroying his enemies and in saving and exalting his friends. God made himself known. Beloved, pray that. Don't pray some little mealy mouth prayer. Oh Lord, help us to love each other. No, the time is come now to be big boys and girls and pray, Almighty God, display your justice and your judgment and your grace. Now notice those two Hebrew words that were quoted there at the end of verse 16. Hegion, Selah. When you're reading the psalm, you're really not supposed to read those words because those words are addressed to the choir director. But I ask him to read them today. And the word Selah means, let the people think about this. This is quite a thought. So at this point, beat the drums, blow the trumpet, clash the cymbals, Selah, and press upon the readers how important this thought is. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed his judgment. In the work of his hands, the wicked is snared. And hegion means do it louder than you usually do it. 
Hegion Selah, beat the drums louder, blow the trumpets louder, and clash the cymbals louder, because this is quite a thought. Now the last stanza. God's righteousness and judgment must be the content of the church's prayers. Verse 17. The wicked will return to hell, even all of the nations who forgot God. So if America continues on her path of forgetting God, she will turn into a hell. For the needy, that is his needy, will not always be forgotten. So even though the world is forgotten about the Nigerian Christians who are literally being butchered every day, be assured, God has not forgotten them, and he will turn their persecutors into hell. For the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted perished forever. And here is a prayer you need to memorize and pray this every day. Arise, O Lord. Get off of your throne and come as a warrior to display your justice and judgment and righteousness and grace. Arise, O Lord, stand up, take your sword to your thigh, lay down your scepter and take up your sword and march out into the field and lead your people. Do not let man prevail. Let the nations that are in rebellion against you be judged before you. Put these nation enemies of, your, of yours in fear of you, O Lord. And let all the nations know that they are but men. Blow the trumpet, beat the drums, clash the cymbals. Has God ever taught you that you're but a man? Oh, it hurts. But it's one of the best things that can ever happen to you. For God to do something in your life and teach you that you are not God. You're just a man. That is the prayer we are to pray instead of praying, Lord, oh, I have a headache. Oh, please take it away. Oh, Lord, I have the nipples for a few days. Please clear it up because I feel so bad. That is the feeble way We pray, beloved. Our prayers are so emasculated and so self-centered. But God says our prayers must be for His justice. And when He tells you to pray for something, He intends to bring about what He's told you to pray for as you pray it. So make this a constant prayer during all of our present problems and beyond. Arise, O Lord, do not let man prevail. Rather, the man is throwing Molotov cocktails in the streets. Rather, he is judging on the Supreme Court. Rather, he is legislating in Congress. Don't let evil men prevail. Let the nations of the world and this country, especially this country, be judged before you. Put them in fear of you, O Lord. May they fear you above all else and let the nations know that they are but men. Amen. Let us pray. What an encouraging psalm this is, O Lord. We thank you that you have told us these things. And we thank you 
that we have seen that these things are worked out throughout history and will continue to be worked out through history. Help us to stand in awe before your justice and your righteousness and your judgment and your grace. And we pray, Father God, that in this present crisis in the United States and the rest of the West, where we are rapidly moving away from our Christian base, we beseech you to make your name known and execute judgment and by the work of your own hands cause the wicked to be snared. For Jesus' sake and in his name we pray. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866-5607. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 